0: Welcome to another edition of the Top of the D podcast. I'm Ross Bone, a.k.a. The Top of the D. It's been a while, but with the domestic season back in full swing, I thought it'd be a good time to dust off the podcast, mic and get another episode out there. So here's what's coming up. The students become the masters as Loughborough come up trumps against East Grinstead. It's business as usual, as Surbiton make it two wins from two in the women's Premier Division. In the men's league, it's a game of two halves for Brooklands against East Grinstead, as they let a lead slip through the fingers like a careless dog walker, whilst old Georgians sent a clear message to the rest of the league with a win over champions Hampstead and Westminster. All this and plenty more coming right up, so without further ado, let's get cracking. But before we get into all the serious chat, it's the triumphant return of the Who Am I quiz. Nice and easy if you haven't listened before, i give you three clues over the course of the show as to the identity of a mystery player. All you have to do is guess who it is. So here's the first clue. I started my career at Sutton Coldfield Hockey Club, but I've also played at Leicester and Holcombe. That clue again, I started my career at Sutton Coldfield Hockey Club, but I've also played at Leicester and Holcombe. Well done if you've got that already. Uh, if not, don't worry. There are two more clues coming up before the end of the show. So we're going into week two of the season. And uh, what better place to start in the Investec Women's Premier Division than with the champions, Surbiton. Two wins from two from the Sugden Roadside. They're going for their seventh consecutive title. And after a hard-fought win over Loughborough students in Week 1, they picked up their second consecutive win with an impressive 3-0 victory over Beeston. Um, Opened the scoring with a Giselle Ansley penalty corner and then scored twice more from a couple of really nice routines, uh, finished off by Hannah Martin both penalty corners set up by Giselle Ansley. Um, Obviously, we don't know what will happen with the international players post-Christmas. Um, we don't know how Surbiton's second eleven, being in the newly expanded National League, will affect things, if at all. Um, but two wins from two, six goals scored in those two games. Um, that suggests it's business as usual for the champions. And I'm sure that's put the rest of the league on notice, if they weren't already. Um, despite Surbiton's two wins from two, it's actually newly promoted Hampstead and Westminster, who are top of the table... At this early stage, it's obviously uh, you know a long way to go, but still a really impressive start from the uh, promoted side. A 4-1 win over Beeston in week one was followed up with a 3-0 win over University of Birmingham this week. Uh, Hampstead kept the bulk of their promotion-winning squad together, but they've added some top-class players to their group. Uh, Grace Balsden, Lily Owsley and Holly Hunt are all current uh, international players. Uh, whose quality is clear to see. And the arrival of Joey Lee after a season abroad is, is also a fantastic signing. Um, they're an impressive outfit last season. Um, they've got some players with you know proven Premier League pedigree. Sarah Robertson's in there. Um, Lucy Hyams, who's obviously previously played in the Premier League for, for Canterbury. Uh, Lauren Turner's a fantastic player as well, you know. And ad- adding in the quality of those new signings, I'm really impressed with Hampstead so far, and I expect the the role that they're on maybe to continue for a while yet. And Clifton will be a stiff test this weekend, um, but Hampstead will go into that full of confidence, and, and they they're right to do so. Um, speaking of Clifton. Uh, What a result for them this past weekend, a huge win for them. Uh, They saw off last year's runners-up Holcomb with a 2-1 win. Uh, Phoebe Richards, a summer signing from Buckingham, she's hit the ground running. Um, It's her second goal of the season, proved to be the winner this past weekend. Uh, Look from the highlights on galvanised Monday night hockey, that Clifton rode their luck a little bit, maybe. Uh, Holcomb hit the woodwork a couple of times. But Clifton held on and they proved yet again that when they're on song, they're a really tough side to beat. And it'll be interesting to see if they can force their way back into the end of season playoff picture this, this time around. Bowden and Buckingham, they shared a one-all draw. It's Bowden's second draw of the season so far. Uh, Beth Alexander on the score sheet for the Seahorses. Um, so first goal for the club, it was in the 65th minute. I earned them a share of the points. Um Great to see her getting a goal early on for her new side. She's a junior international who signed from Brooklyn's Pointon in the summer, and from what I've seen of her so far, and from last season, she's definitely one to keep an eye out for. A really exciting uh, rising star who will no doubt benefit greatly from playing um, at Bowdoin with some of the some of the great role models that she'll have around her. Um, there's one game I haven't spoken about yet. Um, which, given the headlines of today's show, you'll probably be quite surprised that I haven't mentioned. Uh, the reason for that is arguably the most eye-catching result of the season as well. Loughborough students went away to East Grinstead and won 5-1 at St Hill. The reason I've left it till last is because I spoke to Loughborough students coach uh, Brett Holland earlier on today, And so I thought I'd let um, him give his take on on the game, what's coming up for the students and and, and everything else involved in that. So here's what Brett had to say this morning. Um, So first off, uh, a fantastic win for the team at the weekend. You you must be absolutely delighted with that performance. Yeah, we are. It's a cliche
1: that the girls have worked incredibly hard, both. In the game for 70 minutes but actually in the six seven weeks that led up to that point. Um, after us, probably the 18 months or so to uh, really trying to prove everything so you know it all comes to effect in those 70 minutes and we get the results that like we did. And it was, it, sorry, it was a big score on, but it was a really competitive game. Um, I think some of the things you don't want to get the credit for, so our PCD and some are saying that they're very goal and someone the last pitch tackles.
0: Kept us in it and kept that, that scoreline. Uh, Helped the way. And I mean, you, you, ran, you ran Surbiton close in the first week as well. So, it must be pleasing to see your side bounce back and produce a result like that against a really good team like East Grinstead. did. Yeah, it was a really interesting game to witness. And the girls
1: reflected afterwards and said, maybe if you'd given them a 3-2 before the game or at the beginning of the season. They probably would have turned around and went, yeah, do you know, we'd take that but actually, we really really pleased after the game that we created some chances, we had lots of corners, we had a story. Uh, the fact that we didn't quite adjust to the pace quick enough right at the beginning, when we were 2 down after 10 minutes, made it very difficult to come back as a team to the service in. But the fact that we were so competitive and created some chances made it difficult for them,
2: uh, which is one of our, our plans. Uh, we really,
0: really and back and, and see things click into place a little more after only a week of uh, of the previous games is brilliant. Yeah, it's really exciting. And um I suppose, in a way, it's really important psychologically as well that your your team have realised within the first two games they can compete at this level, and they've also got some points on the board. Yeah. So we, we spoke a lot in pre-season about
1: what to expect, and only a handful of, or well, not even a handful of players in the squad at the moment have played in the Premier League, and I guess, for me, they're the coaches in the Premier League, so actually we're all going in pre-blind and trying to work out what we were to expect. We did some pretty work with uh, Andy Gibson, the assistant coach in the program, around resilience, and actually what's the importance of the resilience for us. We had um, a 15-culture session, we called it, around what happens if we're, we're five games in? And by that point, we would have played the top four teams from last year, and we hadn't got any points. And we're uh, there
2: with a pretty unhealthy coal difference and things aren't going away. What things do we need to be kind of focusing on, and
1: how are we going to behave, what, what to expect. Um, and it goes with the, the phrase, moving on Mondays. So when we come straight on the Monday, we then get our head down, we focus on the next task at hand, them and we keep us focused on the process. Mm-hmm. But I guess just being ahead of that curve slightly, and, and I said being competitive in the games, still when really you see that
2: same attitude, that be are coming into Monday, it's a new week. We've got to work really hard, and Bona will present
1: some some really big challenges again for us at the weekend. Um, and not to get complacent in that kind of um, in that kind of way too. It is really important. So, no worries, and um, you know, hopefully you. Just keep keep every game as
0: uh, I keep moving on one game at a time. Um, and see what the future holds. I mean, it's, it's, it's an obvious question for a, a coach of a sort of a university based side, and something that always comes up that you lost um, some really good players from your promotion winning team. So, how do you deal with that sort of constant change of personnel? Yeah, so it, it is a challenge. Um, and I ask sometimes
1: why we kind of work in four thirds, so we might lose a third of our, our wider squad, but then we might gain a third. So, Kind of 50% turnover at times. And I think the reason for it the last couple of years is not to have such a big turnover, but again, we did lose some, some really invaluable players. I think it's on a side note, we're really happy that they've, the girls actually went on and played in the Premier League squad this season coming. No doubt we'll play against them and score the vital goal or do something <laughs> against us, but actually, as part of our programme, we want to develop players and move them on to bigger and better things kind of in the future. Um, so we're really happy that they have, 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 have done that and done that. I think culturally it makes, it makes things quite interesting. So we got to a really good place end of last year with just great belief, resilience, um, and quite relentless in what we're trying to do. And it's, I guess I'm quite intimidating for new players coming into that programme where all these norms have been established. Uh, and they've got a handful of weeks to kind of understand what it's all about, where they sit into it or how they're going to help it and move forward. So I think the benefit we have is we spend a lot of time with each other. Mm-hmm. And the way we do our pre-season is, is around camps. So we'll spend a few days at Loughborough at a time, eating together, working together, being on the pitch together, spending time outside of hockey together to really accelerate that process, which we call accelerating the awkwardness. Um, so, yeah, in Swim's and so we had the opportunity to really get into it quite quickly and um, and kind of bind as a team really quickly. But we have to do it every single year. Yeah. Um, and um, back' to the original question, it really helps some such brilliant players come and join us every
0: year, and mm. we're super fortunate this year with a wash with really, really strong first year players coming in I mean some I want to pick up on something you said, so it's interesting because Phil Gooderham, who you'll obviously know from Birmingham University, once said to me, his job is to prepare his players for the top level so they can succeed after leaving birmingham so You've sort of touched on that as well. Is, is, is that sort of a big part of the ethos at Loughborough? 100 I think it's, it's quite a holistic piece as
1: well. So it's not just prepare them for the hockey
0: world that's out
1: there, but how do we prepare them for the bigger, wider, broader world that's there too. Um, we're pretty values driven So there's um, a few examples, I probably won't share completely, but we'll, we'll have certain, like, standards and expectations that we like our players to meet. And if we don't quite meet them off the pitch, then that might then affect selection or just trying to develop that wider person. Um, and when they do leave, they're able to be quite, um, I guess, I don't know of things, so mm. how they have conversations with people, how they challenge certain things if they don't agree with, with, with what's going on or really get to grips with understanding certain things. I use the gym maybe as a good example, but I'll come in at year one and most players now have a bit of experience, they kind of SSC and that kind of stuff, but it's not new here, you take in the information, we like to think as the first year goes through and second year they're asking questions and really developing a knowledge base on why they're doing what they're doing. By the time they graduate through year two and year three, actually they're challenging the practitioners actually, well is this one right for me and I'm feeling a little bit of something here, So actually maybe this is a better one for me and that kind of stuff, so just developing the skills outside of hockey that
0: they're going to need when they go forward as well. Okay. So it is, it is that transition that we're trying to push them through because they're not going to stay at Liverpool forever, and they're not doing the same. They're not going to stay at Birmingham forever, probably as well. Okay, that's really interesting. And um, you, you know, you mentioned you've been quite lucky with uh, some of the first years that have come in. Obviously, the one that leaps off the page is uh, Izzy Petter. I mean, when she started banging in goals at international level, you must have been absolutely delighted she was coming to you. Yeah, I mean, um, she's a great individual,
1: um, really motivating, really down to us, really balanced. Uh, I think she's realistic in the, the challenges to be a full-time athlete and also to study full-time with us too. Um, I guess, lots of us with elite performers, so we're, we're pretty well set up for people who do have high international and sporting commitment. So the, the sporting networks are there but he pre some of things remotely and at distance, so, um, it's, it's really helpful having Liz and Neil there with her who's gone through that process mm. and knows certain ways of, you know, things and things being helpful, etc. but yeah, the old hockey bit, she's, she's brilliant, um, and I think she's really warm to the girls, spent the time her pre-season to kind of understand how we do things and, and our norms, etc. and, yeah, really excited to see how she goes this season, both at Loughborough, but also, um,
0: with England in GB, I think she has got exciting period of time ahead of her. And then, you know, apart from sort of Izzy Petter and Lizzie Neal, are there any other um, sort of players you think we should look out for that maybe have gone under the radar? Um, yeah, loads. All of them. Uh, Ross is the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess girls uh, coming in, um, so we have.
1: Um, a few E V P players that have joined us this year who's got um, put into the EBP team she's got Picky McCain who's really exciting and has got pace to burn as well and really excited to see how she goes this season uh, similarly in the forward line Lossie Summers who is an exceptional finisher so interested again to see how she develops over her time both those girls are on four year degrees too so this excellent having the opportunity to work with them for a little longer and similarly Liv Hamilton who has to be honest has come into to screen position where she's playing alongside Lizzie Neal, she's got some big shoes to play alongside but actually uh, has fitted in seamlessly and adding something different to our game too which yeah I'm in I mean, a very fortunate position Ross, it's very nice to be in the position that I am um, you sometimes have a position where you're, you have too many competitive players and it's, it's a good problem to have yeah. and it makes our training environment incredibly good if we if we get it
0: right and they keep pushing each other Um so, yeah, and um, you know, you mentioned you're sort of taking it one game at a time. But are there any sort of targets you've set for the season? Anything in particular you want to achieve? No,
1: nothing that we spoke about as a as a wider squad. Um, the kind of conversation we come back to is just being competitive in all the games, and that may mean that we'll we'll lose some, we win some, and we'll draw some as the season goes on. But we're going into every game expecting. To get something out of the game going in to win um and
2: just to be competitive and we know it's going to be hard work we know it's going to be physically a challenge i guess the advantage we've got is average age is younger and we should be quicker and fitter
1: than a lot of teams and one of the ways we're going to try and be successful is, is double down on that so they know that the games are going to be really tough i mean we use gps in our games and the two games that we've played so far have been the two hardest games we've played since we had the gps unit so um we know it's going to be tough, we know it's going to be defensive, but yeah, we're going in to be defensive all the games and we're going in to get something out of every single game too. And hopefully we've, we've proved that we're, we're able to do both those two things in the last two games that we played.
0: So some uh, really fantastic insight from, uh, from Brett in there. Um, No doubt he's delighted with the result of the weekend and he should be going away to East Grinstead, especially with some of the quality that that EG have in that side. And not only winning, but winning by five goals to one is an absolutely outstanding result in what is only their second game back in the top flight in 16 years, I think it is. Um, As a whole, I really love the points he's made about the, uh, how the process of assimilating new players into the setup is so intense at Loughborough. I thought it was a really nice insight into how they're able to get their side to gel so quickly, given the number of new faces they they have each year. Um, I mean, it's by no means um, a sort of a, an easy process, and it's by no means one where you can just repeat the same things year after year. Um, so for for university sides like Loughborough to remain competitive season after season um you know that that process of assimilating the new players as I say is really fascinating to to get that insight into that um something I did want to pick up was uh that Hay said his job is to prepare the players not only for life as an athlete away from Loughborough, but also as as people outside of hockey. Um, as I mentioned in the question I asked, it's something um, Phil Gooderham at the University of Birmingham told me a while ago when I spoke to him. It's really nice to see them looking at the bigger picture for, for players as individuals, as well as you know, trying to do things that are to the benefit of their team. And um, it certainly takes a certain type of coach um, to sort of undertake that that approach and certainly a, a certain type of person as well. But um, you only have to look around uh, sort of the top end of the National League to see the players that have come out of these university clubs and gone on to great things to see you know, how important that approach is and, and the dividends that that pays. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll watch their development as a team with great interest and if, if the couple, opening couple of games... Are anything to go by, Loughborough will be very competitive in the Premier Division this season. Um, if you want to know who's gone where over the summer months, uh, you know which players have moved clubs, which players have re- registered or, or whatever, um, I won't go through it all now because there's a lot to cover. And I don't want this podcast to go on all day. Uh, what I would say is there is an article for both the men's and the women's Premier Divisions Um, on my website, which is thetopofthedeed.com. They're the last two articles that I've published, so if you want to uh, find out who's gone where and what to expect this season, go and have a read of those, and uh, hopefully that will give you some sort of insight into that. So with the uh, round-up of the Investec Women's Premier Division done... It's time for clue number two in today's Who Am I? quiz. Here we go. I have 255 international caps to my name and I've won two Olympic medals and a European gold medal during my international career. That clue again. I have 255 international caps to my name and I've won two Olympic medals and a European gold medal during my international career. Any ideas who that is? No worries if you don't, there is still one more clue to come. It's now time to take a look at the men's Premier Division. Um, No better place to start than with the team who's currently top of the table, which is Serbiton. They made an absolutely flying start, beating Reading 10-1. In week one, and then they had a a more normal looking score this week with a 4-2 win over Beeston. Obviously, the the Reading result is an outstanding feat, but it's just as important to follow that up with another win, which they obviously did. Um, They were 2-0 up thanks to a really nice finish from Tom Soresby and the customary Alan Forsyth goal. Um, His 500th goal in his last 12 games or something, I don't know, Um, always scores a few, does Alan. Um, But Beaston managed to claw it back to 2-1, thanks to Richard Lawrence's goal. Um, Ben Boone continued his goal-scoring form from the week before when he netted a hat-trick. He scored um, with a neat finish from a penalty corner rebound. Um, And although uh, Beaston made it 3-2 with six minutes left, Uh, Zach Wallace sealed it with a fourth just before the end. Um, Serverton top on goal difference, not surprisingly, after winning 10 1 in the first week. But there are two other teams with 100% records after two games. Old Georgians, in their first season in the top flight, they followed up their week one win over XT University with an impressive 4 3 win over the champions, Hampstead and Westminster. It's obviously no surprise that OGs have started well. You know, a side that already uh, boasted the considerable scoring talents of Sam Ward, London 2012 Olympian James Tindall, former Great Britain star Dan Shingles, then added over the summer Andy Bourne, Tom Carson, who both had a phenomenal season last season in the Belgian League with, with uh, Royal Beershot um great britain international goalkeeper george pinner has also joined will carter keels come from the university of exeter and they brought in a trio of signings from reading matt richards um moved alongside great britain internationals liam sanford and lee morton oh and they have Ashley jackson as well who didn't play at the weekend but yeah they're um they're quite good it's quite a lot of good players in that squad um Tom Carson scored three goals in his first two games and of course Sam Ward got among the goals this weekend as well. We shouldn't sort of forget that Hampstead gave as good as they got and and they could have on another day come away with something but at the risk of stating the bleeding obvious, Old Georgians really look like serious contenders this season and with that squad it's hard to see them not finishing in the top four. The other 100% record belongs to Holcomb. Uh, They've Kind of gone under the radar a little, but they did bring in Commonwealth Games gold medalist Jeremy Edwards over the summer. Uh, The Australian international, not to be confused with the former Hollyoaks and Casualty star. Um, And of course, the return of the King. Barry's back. Barry Middleton has returned after a spell in New Zealand. Uh, Barry retired from international hockey. That's a massive player for Holcomb to have back in their squad. Um, they won against East Grinstead in the first weekend and then this weekend they beat University of Exeter 2-0 thanks to goals from Nick Bandarack. Um, Imagine that Kenzo will be delighted with their start to the season and really looking to kick on and, and mount um, a serious challenge for top four again this season. After their disaster, which i have already spoken about in week one, Reading will be mightily relieved to have got a point on the board this weekend. They, they might have felt Surbiton was a... Tough first match of the season beforehand, but I don't imagine even in their sort of um, biggest nightmares they would have predicted they'd lose 10-1. I think what they'll have done is just chalk that one up to experience, vowed to forget about it, to make sure nothing like that happened again. Um, and they actually went ahead um, against Wimbledon thanks to Andy Oxford. Um Although the Wombles went 2-1 up thanks to Ben Arnold and Ian Sloan goals, Peter Scott's goal eight minutes from time gave Reading a, a point that, you know, they will be really, really happy with. Uh, Wimbledon have been notoriously slow starters in the last couple of seasons, but they have four points after two games. And they've got a big Saturday night match against the Old Georgians this weekend. So that will give us an idea of where the Wombles are this season. Should be a cracking game. The last match of the men's Premier Division uh, this past weekend was Brooklyn's trip to East Grinstead. About now, Brooklyn's fans will be rolling their eyes at being mentioned last, but I'm not going to give you the England hockey preview treatment. You're getting a bit more analysis than Brooklyn's lost away at EG, so don't worry, um, although you might not want to listen to it given the result. You know, the story of the match goes something like this uh, Brooklyn's went ahead with a, a nice goal from Aidan Cars. And then the first goal for the club from new signing Eddie Way put them 2 0 up. His Greens did pull one back in somewhat fortuitous uh, circumstances. A cross from Matthew Blood, miscontrolled in the Brooklyn's defence by Tom Russell. And unfortunately, he diverted it past his own goalkeeper to make it 2 1. But no matter, Brooklyn's restored their two goal cushion. It was Russell's cross that was turned in with a really beautiful finish from Richard Slater, a nice sort of spinning deflection-type touch. A uh, really nice goal. Um, that made it 3-1 at half-time. And Chris Griffiths uh, clawed one back for East Princeton with a really nice finish. I was watching the highlights and galvanised. thought, oh, that's a nice goal. Really well taken, but... Little did I know what was coming up from Griffiths. If you haven't seen his second goal, the one which made it 3-3, I would strongly urge you to get onto the galvanised highlights and give it a look. The Best way I can describe it, and you'll have to excuse my language here, but it was an absolute thunder bastard. The, The ball pops up, he takes a touch, and he just absolutely smashes it into the net. I mean, unless he hits that straight at you, no goalkeeper is saving that. There's an absolutely brutal strike, a really nice finish. Um, There's a real momentum shift after that moment as well. Simon Faulkner's penalty corner put East Grinstead ahead. And then Ben Mackey sealed it with a a really nice 1v1 finish right at the death. And it's a great comeback for East Grinstead, but a really disappointing day for Brooklands. Um, That long journey home will have been quite painful for them after a defeat in a game where they could and probably will feel they should have held on and won it. Uh, This week, Brooklands' task doesn't get any easier. They're at home to Surbiton. East Grinstead go to Beeston. Now it's time for the third and final clue in today's Who Am I quiz. Uh, This one should hopefully give it away if you haven't got there already. Here we go then. Clue number three. Rocking her retro Puma Kings on a weekly basis, this diminutive defender currently plays for East Grinstead and wears the number four shirt for England and Great Britain. That clue again. Rocking her retro Puma Kings on a weekly basis, This diminutive defender currently plays for East Grinstead and wears a number four shirt for England and Great Britain. Uh, I should point out at this point that other brands of shoe are also available. Um, Did you get it? Hopefully you did get it from that clue, but if not, don't worry because the answer is coming up really soon. So I like to try and do um, an interactive feature in the in the podcast, uh, previously we've done hockey partridges um, and nicknames features. So I think the well somewhat ran dry on those. Um, particularly, you know, I mean, no one was ever going to top uh, the nicknames feature where Halston Magpie sent in uh, UEA Dave, who is a bloke called Dave who goes to UEA. I mean that you know, there we go, close the feature down, no more to be said on that, but I was trying to think of, um, you know, a new a new feature to try and get a bit of audience participation, so when I was playing on Saturday, uh, an old favourite shout went up from one of my teammates, it got me thinking, we'd just gone 2-1 up in the match, and right out of the old Sunday League football playbook, someone shouted the old, it's nil nil lads! Obviously, I've got nothing against the individual responsible for shouting it. There's a bit of a daft thing to shout when you're winning 2-1. So my question to you is, uh, what is the weirdest, stupidest, daftest shout you've heard on the hockey pitch? What's your favourite one? What's the you know, complete nonsense or one that raises a smile every time you hear it? I'm sure there's plenty of them out there. And if you've got any, tweet me your suggestions. Use hashtag shouts or tweet me direct. As always, I'm on at the top of the D on Twitter. If you've got anything you want to contribute, get in touch and I'll read the best ones out in the next episode of the pod. I can't end the episode without sort of saying a huge thank you to my sponsor for this season which is mercy and hockey keen followers of my social media will have seen the uh signing announcement um and know that i'm receiving some support from mercy in this season which obviously i'm extremely grateful for um the kit i've got as you'll have seen from the pictures is absolutely beautiful goalkeeper kit Really nice from the couple of outings I've given it so far. So, if you want to check out what they've got, plenty more than just goalkeeper kit, head over to mercianhockey.com and have a look. Um, what I'd say is also, those of you who are keen followers of my Instagram, which is of course at the top of the D, um, you will have seen this week the first of what's going to be a regular series, which I'm calling Mercian in Manchester. So, if you want to see the sights and sounds of Manchester, and me looking, frankly, ridiculous and awkward in my kit whilst my picture's being taken. Uh, Follow at the top of the D on Instagram, and you'll get some more (coughs) top-quality content (coughs) in the coming weeks and months. Before we go, I haven't forgotten, it's time to reveal this week's mystery hockey player. Here's a quick recap of the clues. Clue 1 I started my career at Sutton Coldfield Hockey Club, but I've also played at Leicester and Holcomb. Clue number 2 I have 255 international caps to my name and have won two Olympic medals and a European gold medal during my international career. And the final clue, rocking her retro Puma Kings on a weekly basis, this diminutive defender currently plays for East Grinstead, and wears the number four shirt for England and Great Britain. Did you get it? The answer is, of course, the one and only Laura Unsworth. Uh, Well done if you got it, especially after one clue. Uh, I think that was quite a tough one this week. If you didn't get it, never mind, there'll be another chance to play coming up in the next episode. And that's all there is. Um, thanks for joining me, especially if you've made it this far to the end. I'm always very grateful for every listener. Um, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Um, please like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. And, of course, follow my social media, get in touch on Twitter. I'm on at the top of the D, on Instagram at the top of the D, and on Facebook the top of the D. All my written work is on thetopofthed.com. Um, so yeah have a look on there and there's plenty of stuff to keep you going thanks again for listening see you next time